What is up, football fans? Welcome back to another episode of Pound the Pigskin, where it's all football all the time. This is your host, Steve Hillen, along with your fellow football host, Alex the Marine Ruiz, Matt Bear Kaczynski. Gentlemen, we are wrapping up our Division Dive series, which has carried us through the summer. We have one more division to cover this evening, which is obviously the NFC East. It has been a theme on our show that this seems to be the last division every year in this series. Um, I'm sure our listeners have picked up that theme, but that's what we're going to get into tonight is the NFC East. And we get to talk about a little bit of preseason football because every team is in action this weekend, besides obviously Jets Browns who've already played, but that means football is upon us. They will have scores on the scoreboard. They won't count for a standings, but football is here. Woo. <laughs> so we'll get it kicked off with our drink of the night brought to you by string sports brewery second location coming soon um a little tequila water tonight tequila water tequila, okay. that little little cabo wabo blanco dude cabo wabo is great shout out sammy hagar i know i had to explain i had to explain that to jen when we bought it about sammy hagar Lead singer Van Halen. I mean, I mean after like after David Lee Roth. You know, not as band wasn't as good with him, but still some good bangers. Hey, hey man, I like me some Sam. Yeah, Sammy Hagar Van Halen is not is not bad. It's just different. So anyway, that's what I've got. What you guys got? We digress. Uh, I we got do. a little shocking. Sam Adams just a hiss. There you go. Now, how many liquid deaths did you drink while you were hydrating during your meet? Uh, or did you have one on the day after? Probably like six and then the day after uh, on the beach. Yeah, there you go. All right, that's good. All right, Alex, what do you got? I know you had snacks ready, but I know you have liquid courage too. Yeah, I have uh, got an iced angry orchard. Iced angry orchard. There we go. All right, so that's what we've got for <laughs> – that's what we've got for our episode this evening. We'll get right into the most polarizing division in the NFL. That is the NFC East. It's polarizing for a lot of reasons. Uh, the teams are in big markets. The teams are on the East Coast predominantly. The teams are bitter rivals. There's a lot of reasons why it's the most polarizing. We're going to start out with the most polarizing team in the division in a negative way. And that's a team that is probably not going to have a fucking team name again. Washington Commanders, um, the sale of the team finally happened this offseason. A management group um, went in and bought it. It's kind of funny because the primary owner is the same owner who owns the Philadelphia 76ers. So he owns a Philadelphia basketball team, and then he owns a Washington football team. Um, So, you know rivalries there a little bit of an interesting dynamic but anyway the washington football team commanders redskins however you prefer to call them they were eight eight and one last year which i don't know how they were that good of a football team because to be honest with you when you watch them play they didn't look like a good football team however they went eight eight and one they missed the playoffs um they had a couple of um high draft picks uh this season they went ahead and addressed the secondary. Emmanuel Forbes, the corner in the first round. Jertavius Martin, the safety in the second round. 
If you are a Washington fan, first of all, congratulations. Dan Snyder's not your owner, so maybe there's hope. Um, but also, we pity you for having to go and watch football games in that dump of a stadium. But if you are a Washington football fan, what is your realistic expectation? Brand new ownership regime, still Ron Rivera as the head coach, which we'll get into as we talk about them. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator. What are you feeling? What are your expectations for this eight-win football team a year ago? Uh, you know, one thing uh, about this division that's super fun is uh, I think in the last, what, 19 years? Alex, you could correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's like 19, 21 years. There has not been a repeat division winner. I can tell you one team that will not have a chance, and that'll be the Washington. Are we going to be continued to commanders or not? Um, I, I honestly, I'm okay if the, if they say we're going back to the Redskins. Yeah, they're not going to do that, but um, I'd be hard pressed to believe they're going to stay with commanders. Um, yeah, I, I mean, unless you know, I mean, it is just ownership. So I mean, realistically, like. Owners change and teams stay the same. So, you know, who knows, whatever. Um, I don't know what you really are going to be excited about if you're a Washington football fan. Um, I mean, look, I, I don't hate the kid, but Sam Howell is definitely not the answer. Um, yeah, well, we're going we're gonna to learn real quick whether he's got – whether they've got anything at quarterback or if they've got nothing because the, the depth chart at quarterback, if you look at it, it just looks like a bunch of – a journeyman type of quarterbacks if with you, Howell, Brissett, and Jake Fromm. I mean, if Howell isn't the guy, what, what do you what do you got? Jacoby Brissett to play like maybe six good games, like he does when he gets that shot. Out of if Howell's not the guy, this team has every opportunity to get a, a top ten draft pick. But what's interesting though is like, you know, just not a lot really going on on this team, in my opinion. I mean, Gibson's already kind of dropping a little bit. Um, they've got Robinson ahead of him as it stands right now. Uh, McLaurin, we know what he's done, but I mean, is he really enough to carry an entire passing offense? They're going to need Jahan Dotson to step up. He was the first round pick a year ago. They need him to be a legitimate wide receiver too. Well, I mean, the biggest glaring issue on my humble opinion is, uh, the fact that they've got like basically three busts on uh, their D line. (laughs) Um, like they ain't getting it done. Uh, we could talk about. What they could yeah, have they been. got the all the all name team on defense. We we could we could talk about how they're supposed to have been and they're this and they've done that, but no, you're, you're not intimidated, really that scared by Washington's defense. And I'm gonna make one comment because I know Alex has got way more to go on this topic, so I'm gonna kind of give like segue in for him. Um, yeah, Ron Rivera, you ain't got it, bro. Sorry, it's <laughs> it's faded, it's done. See you later. It ain't working, Alex. Take it's, it is that? Is that the biggest concern as a fan? Is is your head coach? Um, no, I think as a fan, you don't really give too much. You don't really give two shits. I think everybody kind of is aware that um, there's going to be a lot of front office changes, especially with new ownership coming in, right? So anybody that still has a job throughout, you know, every week should probably be thankful they still have a job there. Um, that isn't a player, and even some of those guys might end up getting cut at the deadline this year. You might see the Redskins go on a full-on fire sale, especially if they're in a losing record and have no chance of getting close to winning the division or playoffs. And they might just scrap the whole year and say, all right, we're, we're doing this in our way and our image. So 
So it sits at right now, their win total is six and a half. Um, I over think that's under. Pretty generous. <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, you know, an eight win team last year, I mean, maybe if maybe they get to six, if, if things go well, if Sam Howell is decent and the in the defense is competitive, but we know that, you know, they're going to beat themselves up in the division, right? We know that. We know that they've got to play against the NFC West, which had two playoff teams a year ago, right? They've got to play against the AFC East, which we know is going to also be a pretty stacked division. So the schedule doesn't shape up very well for them. I'll tell you, I will say this. I'm not making any predictions or anything. They absolutely, 100%, if they want this season to be anywhere close to decent, they 100% have to win week one home opener against the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, if they don't beat Arizona, then, I mean, basically Alex is going to be, you know, looking like Nostradamus. That's probably what's going to happen. If they lose that game, that's, that is just a game that if you're the commanders, you have to win, especially how. Like, you've got to come out firing on all cylinders, get that win. If they don't, I mean, we, we've already set our piece on Denver, but, you know, it's not exactly like you're going to be able to, you know, waltz on in there. They've got a late buy. I mean, what, Bears what, what? could be maybe a win, but that's not again until week six. You know, uh, New England's not. You know, I think that buy, Alex, that's the latest buy that you can get week fourteen, right? It's got to be, and that's. Jeez. I'm gonna tell you right now, for a team like this, Oof. that's brutal. Now, if you're a team, that's, especially the injuries they usually get on defense, man. Say, ah. If you're a team that's got the players and got the, you know, the questions answered at spots and. Four, week 14 is kind of still shitty, but not as detrimental. Because if you're – like, that bye week almost does nothing for this team if they're going to be like they have and or yeah. and or they really stumble. It's just going to be a miserably long run until that bye week. Where that bye week is going to be like – that could be – you know, Alex, if they are as shitty as we think they might be, that could be when you start seeing, like, a lot of just firings just be like, done, see ya. Yeah. Well, and we know this about the team. We know they're going to start two rookies in the secondary, right? We know that the quarterback has only played like a game and a half of NFL football. So he's basically, you know, a rookie without having the rookie status. And Dotson. we know that that's got to show up second year. Yeah, so a lot know, of Dotson's year too. A lot of a lot of pressure for him to step up and take the pressure off Terry McLaurin. I mean, one of the most outrageous like signings or extensions that I saw this off season was the contract that they gave to Logan Thomas to play tight end. I mean, that guy literally does nothing for them and is hardly ever healthy, and yet they're paying him nine million dollars. I, I don't know. Maybe I just don't see something, but I. I tend to think that he's about as below average a starter as you can get, and they're paying him $9 million bucks. And we all know the story on defense. They've got four first-round picks on the defensive line, but the biggest question mark is can Chase Young ever live up to the draft status and the hype that he had after winning defensive rookie of the year? I mean, it's a make-or-break season for him, whether they want to pick up his option – whether they want to sign him to a long-term extension. They didn't have Vera that year, did they? 
No. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And they, yeah. I mean, they already, they already didn't pick up his option. So, I mean, it's literally a make or break year for Chase Young. I, I think he's getting traded. He might, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I, we know that trades in the NFL aren't as, you know, prominent and as, um, they don't happen as often as they do at the deadline for like baseball or things like that. But he could absolutely be a trade deadline uh, target in week eight. If this team is off to a slow, I, I, I mean, if this team is, you know, one win by, by week eight, I mean, I, I think he is absolutely, I mean, the team basically signaled that he is, he is a trade candidate and they're, they're trying to get as much as they can for him being a first rounder. But I, I, if you look at what he did his rookie year without having, Ron Rivera there and what he's done since Ron Rivera, you take his injuries out of the equation. He's not the same player. He's not even in the same system. So yeah, guy isn't being utilized to his maximum potential. You put him on any team that knows how to utilize him and you could see an entirely different resurgent player. And I think that's what, I think that's what Washington knows and understands about his value. And is trying to bank on that to get some kind of intrinsic return for him so that it doesn't look like a, a wasted pick. But wherever Washington, wherever I think, is on goes. the fringe of a rebuild. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's the way their schedule is set up. I mean, they they weeks one and two, they absolutely have an opportunity to win. Um, yeah, they're not beating Buffalo. They're not beating Philly. Chicago, they have an opportunity to win. Atlanta, they have an opportunity to win. Unfortunately, they do have an opportunity to beat the Giants because that's just how it always goes with us and them. Um, yeah, that's about as back and forth a battle as you get. Yeah, um, they have an opportunity to beat New England, and uh, you know if, and if maybe the Rams. I, I would. Well, the Rams are after the bye, but I mean, going into the bye week, they they have an opportunity to win six of their uh, six of their thirteen games. So it, if they're if they're sitting at less than, than I thought. Well, I, I mean, they have an opportunity. I don't see them okay. doing it, but they have the opportunity right. to do it. And if if they yeah. can't even hit four wins in that 14, 13 game stretch, it is going to be full rebuild. You are going to see them absolutely implode. Everybody's getting cut. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be surprised that if it does fully implode and this team is, you know, picking in the top five next year, they finagle their way to get up to number one and they draft Caleb Williams. He's a DC kid. They bring him back home. They try to rebuild around a playmaker, you know, kind of, you know, back home, just like the way the Bengals did with Joe Burrow. That seems to be a theme in the NFL nowadays. But one last thing on the, on these guys. And if you're looking at it from a fan's perspective, one of the biggest concerns you got to have is just this offensive line. And are they going to, I mean, are they going to be able to prevent Sam Howell from getting killed a, and then are they going to have enough push in the running game to allow Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson to even be effective. Uh, the way that it stacks out, I mean, Sam Cosme, Andrew Wiley, Charles Leno, I mean, maybe they played the, the rookie center, Stromberg, um, or maybe it's in move Nick Gates to one of the guard spots. I don't know, but if you look at what they've got on the offensive line, it doesn't breed a whole lot of confidence. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, if I had to say, if I had to say the lean on these guys, I would lean the under six and a half wins just because, like Matt said, I don't think Howell's the guy. I think that he's, you know, cut from that journeyman quarterback in the NFL cloth, you know, where he can be a, a second or a third string guy who could maybe come in and make plays 
in a very short stint in a game or maybe for a full game. Um, but I, I don't think he's a guy that you trot out there for 17 games and say, yeah, I mean, yeah we got a chance to win. I mean, in college at Carolina, it's not like he was like just, you know, uh, a nobody quarterback, but he never flashed signs of being a full-fledged starter. He looked good coming – in my opinion, he did look good coming, you know, in the draft, but – I just still hard pressed. At least if it's te- if it's a team like this, Hal needs to have some pieces. He needs to have a little bit of help. I don't think he's going to have it. I think he's going to get killed. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, overall, Washington fans, I would expect you know if you're hopeful about one thing, you can be hopeful that maybe Eric Bieniemy can really right the ship with this offense and utilize Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson in the passing game and be explosive there. And then on the on the defensive side of the ball, your hope is just that your big name brand players stay healthy and play to their draft status. And if not, then like Alex said, this thing's teetering on a full blown rebuild and with new ownership, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So we'll see how that shakes out for really Washington. quick, really quick, really quick. Yeah. I will say, I mean, you're not seeing much media coverage on them right now, which is interesting, but I will say what is coming out is players are, openly admitting and Ron Rivera himself is openly admitting that players are coming to him complaining about Eric Bieniemy's style. Both yeah, the well. offense, both the way he coaches, both the way he teaches guys how to do these things. So that's making me wonder, right? We were all curious, how the hell does Bieniemy not have a head coaching job with the amount of success he had in in took in the words out of my mouth. Right? Absolutely. The amount like, of success makes- he had, nobody could figure out why the guy didn't have a head coaching job. And now, no, I've, said I've said it for years. I'm like the guy. Like my assumption is that he just interviewed poorly or just had a really bad idea in his head of like how to portray his game plan and that style. So now we're seeing that. Now we're seeing him in a, an entirely new system, not an Andy Reid system, right? He's exactly. in a new team, and now we're starting to see where the, the where the rifts and the seam of the Eric Bieniemy situation is at, and it's. The guy just does not know how to coach his own system. Right. And we'll see how that unfolds out on the field, too. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting. It's, not, it's, something I, it's something I caught on to earlier, and I was like, ooh, yeah, I'm bringing that one up. Because not, not only does he have to teach his offense, but he's got to do it with, oh, I don't know, a non-Patrick Mahomes quarterback. Yep. That's the thing, so, too. You know, I, without going on too much, like, yeah, he didn't have to do as much to make it work because a read and B you had quite a lot of talent. Now, yeah, I mean, Mahomes and Kelsey, two guys that are going to go to the hall of fame in Canton. I mean, well, I would take, I, I mean, I'm going to say this. Washington's running game is not going to be that as uh, anything to like really be worried about. In my oh opinion. no, I, you can't, you can't fall back on the running game, not with the line and with the guys they've got in the backfield. That so, are just two yeah, on- like I would take even the chiefs running backs, right? Like, I mean, it's just, yeah, I would too. It's you're getting like the C you're like getting like the D plus version of the chiefs. Be enemy. So good luck, bud. Yeah. Which is why, like I said, I, if you play the under on six and a half, I think that's, that's the better play unless something just completely unexpected turns out for Washington this there, season. There, there's one wild card to them, and the wild card, I can't believe we spent friggin' 20 minutes on Washington, but the wild <laughs> card is, is they've got Jacoby Brissett sitting bes- behind Sam Howell, and, and I, as much as people don't have to accept this fact, 
He's not a bad quarterback. Well, it's like I said. What are you going to do? You're going to be serviceable. And I mean, he got he got the Colts to the freaking playoffs when they needed him. He was freaking playing in New England. It was good. So like the guy well, yeah. is not a bad quarterback. It's it's like yeah. watching it's like watching Geno Smith. Well, the Washington hopes they have Geno Smith. If uh, no, I get that. I'm just saying it's yeah, it's, it's system dependent, right? Geno Smith couldn't do what Geno Smith did until he got to Pete Carroll's system and had the receivers around him. Maybe Jacoby Brissett couldn't do what Jacoby Brissett needed to do because he was stuck in Bill Belichick's system in New England and friggin' Ursay's dumbass controlling <laughs> everything in, in Indianapolis, right? So, yeah, I mean, that that's the wild card to me. That They could very well go over six, find, being that he has success because of his ability to run. Sam Howell doesn't have that. So, if Jacoby Brissett's getting in there, though, that means you're probably looking at like an 0 and 6, 0 and 7 team, maybe even maybe a little bit better, like with one win. Um, Brissett ain't gonna have enough time to get that many wins. Now, granted, I'm not gonna disagree. He might get a couple, you know, comebacks or comeback attempts. There definitely could be a little better. We'll see how how comes out, but ah, I don't know if Brissett's really that much of a walk. But I, I can see where you're coming from. It. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just that I think they're they're going with the unknown to see what Howell is and get their answer right away. I think they yeah. know what Brissett can bring them. Um, so. We'll just see how it plays out, but Brissett would be the, the security blanket for either a complete disaster by Howell or an injury early to Howell. So we'll see how that shakes out for Washington. A lot of new going on, um, not all of it good. Now, we'll move over to Dallas uh, where, I mean, the media is just always on the Cowboys, um, even though it's not 1994. They took Mozzie Smith out of Michigan, the D-tackle in the first round. The three of us didn't like that pick. They doubled up and took his teammate, Luke Schoonmaker, a tight end out of Michigan in the second round. Neither of us liked that pick either. Everybody else seemed to applaud it, but, um, you know, we must be idiots when it comes to studying the draft. But this team was a 12-5 and football team a year ago, made it to the playoffs. Obviously, they lost uh, in the divisional round to the San Francisco 49ers. Mike McCarthy said he wants to win football games and run the football more, so they let they let Kellen Moore go. Dak Prescott's led the NFL in interceptions the last two seasons. And in all of preseason camp right now. Yeah, I mean, so if you're a Cowboys fan, I mean, is that the number one concern? Do we have do we have a turnover prone, overpaid QB right now that can't win a game when it matters? Yep. It do. I mean, you don't have to accept a fact, but it's a fact. I mean you know, I think it's funny because I wasn't sure where you're going to go with it. As soon as you said it, you're like, and they let go. As look, this is going to make me almost literally regurgitate my food that I just ate. I'm going to tell you right now, Cowboys fans, y'all better hope that fucking Tony Pollard is Tony Pollard because I'm going to tell you right now. I think he needed Zeke, and that's the reason why it worked because you got both of them. Zeke's stats were not that much worse, if not better, in some aspects. Good luck, Cowboys. You're gonna rely well, on and it's just it's always risky to rely on a on a running back coming off of a big injury to be your lead guy. Because let's face it, everybody behind Tony Pollard, yeah, really doesn't even belong on a football team in the NFL. You know, that's my opinion. But Malik Davis, former Gator, fumble machine. Ronald Jones couldn't keep a job in Tampa where they have nobody. And then Deuce Vaughn is smaller than Darren Sproles without the same quick twitch. So I mean. Yes, Tony Pollard was the better of the two running backs, but to Matt's point, he needs a he needs a thunder to his lightning. I'm telling you right now, 
Zeke's stats were not that much off of what Tony Pollard is. And now, granted, I understand, like, you pay, you paid Zeke a fuck ton of money, but you're putting all your eggs in the basket to be a run team and then give up part of your run game. Makes right. no sense. So, you know what? And the run game is what Mike McCarthy's taking the play calling over. He wants to run the ball more. He's got the offensive line once they can get the Zach Martin holdout situation under control. Yeah, I'm going to touch on that. Yeah, I mean, well, Martin's getting fined, what, 50K a day? He don't care. He's not coming back. Apparently he don't care. But The reason he's not coming back is because Jerry Jones has openly stated to the media, to the public, to everybody that we're just moving on without him. Basically. Yeah, well, Jerry Jerry knows knows he's going to have to open up the checkbook for Micah Parsons. Your your Hall of Fame, he ain't going to open up the checkbook for Parsons either. The guy guy notoriously doesn't pay anybody on defense. We know this. So – well, they paid the Marcus Lawrence decent when it was his time, and, one- and and then he ended up leaving. <laughs> so that's that should tell you Jerry Jones just ain't doing it. The guy needs to retire. He needs to let his son take over the team. Um, the fact that they don't have Zach Martin is going to severely diminish their ability to run the ball as well as they did. That guy has been. In- oh yeah, I mean, if they don't have him, that's a that's a huge he, missing piece. He- Easily could be the highest paid guard on the market in any team. Any other team in the NFL, 31 other teams would gladly make him the highest played player at his position because of how good he has been. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a big X factor on whether they get him to play or if he, or if he holds out when the real games start. I mean. Man, man clearly doesn't care about losing $50,000 a day. So he yeah, ain't going clearly up. not. Clearly not. Now. You go into this season, and the things we've touched on so far, we've we've mentioned as concerns. On the other side of the ball, on defense, I mean, that's where, believe it or not, the strength lies with Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons. Uh, obviously, you've got um, Trevon Diggs, Stephon Gilmore, the off-ball linebackers, Vander Esch, Demond Clark, Jabril Cox. I mean, there's a lot of speed on their defense which we know in today's NFL, if you've got sideline to sideline speed, you can cause a lot of havoc and a lot of mismatches. That's going to be the strength of this football team. We know that they turn the ball, they force a lot of turnovers. That doesn't always translate year over year, but solid team defense usually does. And in order to have solid team defense, you need to have complete team speed. They've got that on all three levels of the defense. So that's going to be the strength. Yeah, defense, but does the offense meet? Does the offense meet them halfway? Absolutely not. I mean, I think the de- I mean, the, unfortunately, the defense it, it's going to be good. We know that it's there. There is definitely stars and elite guys through it. So I mean, I expect the defense to be good. It's going to keep them competitive. It's why, unfortunately, the Cowboys never go three wins because they just find ways to still have enough players to be relevant enough to still let you down if you're a fan. Um, I mean, guys, let's, let's look at their roster, okay? They got Dak Prescott, okay? They got Tony Pollard, who's on a franchise tag. Yeah. And then they got C.D. Lamb. On offense, yeah, there's the – I mean – No, no, that, no, that's it. That's that's the offensive firepower they have. Yeah, I mean, you're relying on Brandon Cooks to still keep it going at, at, as as he's, as his 30 uh, – his year 31 season comes in. Yeah. Michael Gallup hasn't been the same since his ACL injury. Right. You know, and then their fallback behind all that: Jalen Tolbert, Simi Fihoko, Kevante Turban, Don Terry. Oh yeah, there's there's no there's no depth at wide receiver. There's, there's no depth. No, yeah. They've got a worse receiving core depth chart than the New York Giants have had in for like the last five years. So, 
I mean, you you are you are entirely reliant on the fact that CD Lamb can break double coverage and or that that Cooks can spark in the slot and get somebody to to pull pull a man off a of CD. That's it. That's your opposite. That, that that's your offense. Jake Ferguson is going to have to with with Zach Martin gone. Jake Ferguson ain't catching shit. He's going to have to block. I mean, yeah, it's going to change up the offensive dynamic. I think if Martin if, is if not they're out getting there. the ball back, if they're getting the ball back at the fucking 10, 20, 25 yard line every drive because their defense stopped to score, they're they're not scoring. Well, I think they're going to rely on the run game in a way as a way to have Zach moving. As wild as that sounds, but they know that if Martin's not there, their their whole game plan screwed. They're gonna have yeah, to I mean, it, moving. It's definitely out. a dynamic that they have to. They have. I mean, they got to start figuring it out now. There's no doubt. And I mean, listen, the win total on them is nine and a half on FanDuel. You know, this was a 12 win team a year ago. Are they good enough to get to 10? Yeah, technically they're good enough to get to ten. That make that means they're two wins worse than last year, and they could still get their over on nine and a half. It just really, whether you look at the over or the under on this team win total, I think really is more about how much do you trust Dak Prescott to win you football games. And I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm there because of just the way that he turns the ball over and the way that they seem to always have some kind of. Um, mess up when it's clutch time is on. Yes, could they win 10? Absolutely. But that's more me thinking that the defense could be a top 10, top five defense potentially, that, and not necessarily the offense winning games. Thing though, I'm going to pose this. If the offense is as bad as it can, potentially could be, and a defense is as potentially good as it could be, you're basically looking at the Broncos again. And did the Broncos get 10 wins? No. No, they didn't. Now, I think this team has a little bit more potential than what the Broncos showed last year because the offensive line is good. Absolutely. It's not great unless you have Zach Martin, but it's good. They're just great with Zach Martin. So that's a huge X factor. Obviously, if you're a Cowboys fan, you know, you're first of all, you're delusional with how good you think your team is. But second of all, your biggest concern is we got to have Zach Martin on our offensive line to make this thing go. So we'll see. There's a lot of eyes on, on Dallas, as there always is. Part of it is the Zach Martin thing. Part of it is Dak Prescott not leading the NFL in interceptions. The other part is how good is Micah Parsons? We know he's an elite defender. How good is he being on the edge full time? How good is Trevon Diggs now that he's – been paid is he still going to be a a boomer bust corner where he either gets an interception or he gives up a 30 yard pass down the field we'll see but there's there's x factors on both sides of the ball there's things to be hopeful for there's things to be concerned about um like i said you look at that over under at nine and a half i think it really just depends on uh whether you're looking at them glass half full glass half empty so we'll see but i would expect the cowboys to at the very least be competitive um, in the NFC this season. Now, speaking of competitive, we're going to move over to the team that made it to the NFC championship game and won, made it to the Super Bowl, lost by a field goal. That's the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, we already talked in the offseason about the draft recap and the defense of players that they brought in, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, both in the first round. 
uh, Sidney Brown, Keely Ringo in rounds three and four. I mean, they just reloaded on defense after losing some players like Javon Hargrave, Kazir White, TJ Edwards. You know, they lost some key pieces, but guess who they brought back? They brought back Bradbury. They brought back Darius Slay. Yes, they lost Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. They draft Sidney Brown at safety. So, I mean, we've praised, as much as it pains us, we've praised Howie Roseman's ability to be a GM and build this team. They paid Jalen Hurts their money. They made a trade to bring in DeAndre Swift. They signed Rashad Penny um, after losing Miles Sanders. If you look at this team as a whole, you say they're pretty they're pretty stacked on both sides of the ball in all areas. So if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, your realistic expectation for this season is blank. The realistic expectation for the season is is that Nick Sirianni is actually a good head coach and it wasn't a fluke last year. So if Sirianni is a good head coach, then that that's that's a good thing for the Eagles, right? That means they've got the coach and the quarterback. Offensively and defensively, it's not, it's not like they downgraded. They either maintained or improved at every position available. I would agree with that. So yeah. – well, they're they're in essence the exact same team taking the field and and the same exact system going on another year. Um, they brought Marcus Mariota in to help coach Jalen Hurts in the system, which is great. That guy. We all yeah, we all thought that was a good scheme fit backup. Right. So, um, this to me is is going to heavily depend on whether or not Nick Sirianni is actually a good fucking head coach. Or I agree because I we agree. talked about this last year. He is. He's got the easiest job in the NFL. He's got he's got one of the most complete rosters with the least amount of experience in coaching to even be given that job. So, yeah, I mean, here we are. I mean, put me in there as a head coach and I can say, hey, Brian Johnson, you're my friggin offensive coordinator. You're calling plays. Sean Desai, you're my defensive coordinator. You're calling my plays. Michael Clay, you're my special teams coordinator. You're coordinating. My only job is to make sure you guys are doing your job. And we and we get to the Super Bowl last year. That's that's how effective the team was. Here's, and I'm if a, he's a good head coach, they'll be right back at it. And so if, if he is legitimately a good head coach, right? If his scheme yep. is legitimately the reason why they're succeeding, I'll shut the fuck up. Hey, Sirianna, you're a good head coach. But right now – Yeah, they got to run that six-back offense scheme. Jalen Hurts is a, an X factor in that scheme. We know that. Um, and – they're loaded. I'm going to say, I mean, you asked the question, what's the realistic expectation? The realistic expectation is you're expecting to make another deep run. You but better, here's, you better, you better repeat. here's where the realistic part comes. I think that's I think that's. I'm sorry, hard. Nick Sirianni, and I don't care. I will say it until I am absolutely proven otherwise. I'm not saying the Eagles are a bad team by any fucking means as much as I don't want to admit it. They're a stacked fucking team. They are good. They're loaded. They're going to win. A lot of fucking football games. Yeah, it's disgusting. Over under 11 but, and a half right now. Over. Not a good coach. Yeah. What's going to happen, what's going to happen is as much as your talent can carry you, and I'm not going to say that it can't, there are moments in football where it does come down to coaching and the ability to make good calls and the right calls at the right times in the right way. Especially in the right? playoffs. We saw yeah. it. Look I am sorry. Players. Look at the Chargers. <laughs> yeah. God. I mean, look, I don't think Sirianni's got it. I think it was a – we didn't know what to expect, so a lot of it was, oh, shit, I didn't know that they were going to do this or they could do that. 
Now, granted, that doesn't mean they're going to be bad. What's the over-under on them right now, current? 11. I'll be hard-pressed to honestly see them lose less than 11. 12 is probably pretty realistic, too. I mean, I mean they're, they got to be at least a, a 13, 14 win team. Literally nothing's changed. They're, they're going to be a damn good team. Well, again, though, that's where coaching comes in. I think you could see them lose a few, and I mean minimally few, other games that they would have won last year because I think it will come down to coaching. Now, again, that's still putting them in a position to make a deep run. Still could put them in a position to have basically the similar success last year and be a really good team. I just think they're going to slip up a couple of times. I don't think Sierra is there. So, I mean, again, it's you're picking hairs in terms of like what the record prediction could be, but I think 11 is pretty fair because I think 11 is actually probably pretty realistic. So I wouldn't bet it. I see 11. Yeah. yeah I mean, but not, they'll get we worse know, prices. well, we know it's going to be a battle in their division and they're going to play a first place schedule. They've got some key, They've got some key uh, matchups, you know, outside of what's their traditional schedule. We already talked about their Monday night football game against the Chiefs. We talked about their game against the Bills and the 49ers. So, I mean, they've got themselves a challenging schedule. But, as we've also mentioned, the team is strong top to bottom, both sides of the ball. They're going to be competitive. Uh, and the expectation, like Alex said, should be to – to get back to where they were and potentially win it. So, yeah. I mean, if you, if you're an Eagles fan, you got to have plenty of confidence going into the season, just because of how well-rounded and constructed the team is. And like we said, we're going to learn how good the coach, how good the head coach is. Cause now he's got to really run the show um, with the new coordinating staff. So we'll see, but overall, if you're an Eagles fan, you're feeling pretty good about your team's chances to be, um, an elite title contender. So that brings us to last, but certainly not least, the New York football giants. Uh, this team was a nine-win playoff team a year ago, won a playoff game on the road in Minnesota. Uh, they paid their quarterback, Daniel Jones, on the extension. They got the Deal done with Saquon Barkley. It wasn't the franchise tag deal. It was just a different type of one-year extension. They took cornerback Deontay Banks out of Maryland in round one. John Michael Schmitz in round two. Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver, in round three. So they brought themselves in probably three starters with their first three picks. We'll see how that goes. If you're a Giants fan, which we know we have two on our show, but there are plenty all across the country, nine-win football team, year two Brian Dayball, who was coach of the year as a rookie, what's the realistic expectation for the NFC New York team? Um, I would say a realistic expectation is an eight, nine-win team. Um, I know we up- – That's going to be close to – that's going to be a close to a playoff team again. Yeah. Um, I mean, they realistically could have been a 10-win team last season if it weren't for the tie, uh, which I still I can't wrap my head around that game at all. Yeah, I don't uh, know how that <laughs> happened. <laughs> I'm not going to dig into that. Um, I like that JMS is uh, I've got taking the starting reps at center. He's obviously won that job outright. Um, all the things that I've seen out of camp about him are he's he's beating everybody in the field, including Daniel Jones. So, um, 
camp camp seems good right good days bad days that goes to it um I'm seeing a lot of smoke screen about the New York Giants having a bad day at practice and their joint practice with the Detroit Lions yesterday. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, but you as, can't wait too much of that. As much as as much as I would like to be that guy, uh, look, they bounced back today, right? So it, it's just the only thing, the only caveat that I can say to that is that you won't have the opportunity to bounce back in in a live game, right? You gotta you gotta figure it out before the half. So right, um, they they did that over. They, they did that over the course of, you know, two practices and got it figured out and had a much better day today based off of everything that I saw and, 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 uh, and, and you know, some of the, 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 the analysts that I follow there. But um, what I do know is that the team is – okay, sorry. Um, th- what I do know is that the, the team is moving forward. Um, they, they seem to have set a depth chart around them. Um I, I do see it as young as the team was last year. It's going to be a lot younger this year because we're going to have more rookies starting. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see. Um, Which is a good thing, but also could be a concern because we know that no matter how good you are as a rookie, you always have some kind of growing pains. Yeah. And, and again, you know, it's, it's part of it. I think fans need to realistically understand that we are not the best team in the division. Stop saying we are because you're just going to hurt your freaking, um, you're, you're going to hurt your feelings when we, when we're not. So, um, it, it's not, I'm not saying that they can't win the division, right? Because, you know, we, we've touched base on this every time we talk about the NFC East that we, that we don't have repeat division winners. So is, is it possible? Yeah, it, it's possible, but we are not, we are not at anywhere close to the level of talent that the unfortunate golden trash bags have. So, um, so is the biggest concern as a fan, is it who steps up and stays healthy at wide receiver or is it who steps up and stays healthy in the secondary? Um, I think the biggest concern for them is the, is the defense. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the depth at defense is, is going to the biggest problem that New York Giants had last year was is is the middle of the field. They 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 couldn't guard a freaking slant to save their lives. We were giving up 10 15 yards of play over the middle. We our corners are great. We have lockdown corners. Nobody was throwing the ball deep against us because our guys were PD, you know, freaking pass breaking it up or or they weren't allowing it, anything to happen. So guys were forced to go over the middle and we had no depth over the middle. Um We've made some adjustments, right? I hope to God Darnay Holmes doesn't make the friggin' team, but Trey Hawkins is listed as our first uh, corner on the left-hand side, and Deontay Banks is now listed as our corner over on the right side. Um, Adoree Jackson is going to be bouncing around from side to side. Xavier McKinney's coming up on a big year for him. He's going to need a contract soon. So Yeah, um, he's going to have to step up at safety. Yeah, I mean, Kayvon, who's listed at, at linebacker with Aziz Ojulari, we, we don't really have any guys listed at edge, right? So they're going to have to step up in really big ways um, off, off ball shit. Now that we got, um, you know, Darian Beavers and, and Bobby O'Karaki and Mike, you know, Michael, we've had McFadden and, and Carter Coffin for a while, right? Now that we have those guys, There'll um, be more of your off-ball guys, I would right. think. So like we Thibodeau can, and Oshilari rush the We can get rid of steam fix, right? And we got we got Nacho. We got Ashawn Robinson. We got Dex. We got – I hate him, but we got Leonard Williams. So um, we have the talent, right? It, it was misutilized and mismatched heavily last year. It was still a good unit, right? I think we were we were – I think 17th or 16th overall at the end of the year, not the middle of the pack. We have to improve on that side. Offense found ways to score points down the stretch. I think they lean more on that scheme moving forward. We talked about this in a previous show. Um, 
but I think defensively is is what needs to make the adjustment. The de- defense is going to have to take a step forward this season with the amount of talent that we added. We focused there. Yeah, we put some weapons in and an offensive lineman in, but we focused heavily on our defenses here. We got more defensive picks in the draft than we did on the offensive side. So um, I think that was their focus, and I think that's what needs to improve the most. All right. Matt, what do you think is what do you think is a bigger concern for you? Uh my concern is going to be wide receiver uh, and who stays healthy. Now, granted, I, I actually do like how it's shaping up because I can see where it's going to be a step up um, and a step in a better direction in terms of the passing attack. Um, I mean, right now, I've seen it kicked around, but I have seen a version that shows, you know, Hodgins. Um, Slayton and Paris Campbell as being your starting receivers. That's your your technically top three. I kind of like that because you're able to have Shep come in as veteran moments when needed or get some key plays where he it's, hey, we need a guy that's been and seen this before. Paris Campbell has been around a little bit in this league for a couple of years, so he's not as young as some of the other guys like Hodgins um, or Jalen Hyatt, who looks like he is trending to possibly make some minor impacts through the entire season. We'll see what happens as the year goes on. They're not going to throw him right into the fire. He's still learning. Um, but if injury hits the receiving core like it has, it's going to be – it could be really rough. Um, I like the secondary. Um, it's not great by any means, but I at least like that there is some familiarity with each other. Um, that does usually show up pretty well because guys know their tendencies and how – and where they need to help pick up slack if needed. Um, so I do like that. I like that there's some gelling there. There's some, you know, camaraderie there. Um, I mean, Alex Bay from Fair Points, there's definitely going to be some guys who need to step up. McKinney being the one coming back from a hand injury all seems pretty good with it. But, you know, still, it's technically something that is he's working back from. Um, uh, I like the additions on the linebacking core. Um, I think it's going to be a huge help. Um, I think the Cherokee is going to make an immediate impact, and we've needed a linebacker to actually have a name because um, uh, the last one decided to, you know, play Pokemon for a living. Um, no, I'm kidding. But did you did you hear what happened to him, to Blake Martinez? Yeah. Supposedly he got hit for like. Dude, he got shut down for scamming, bro. Yeah. So yep. All right, dude. Wow. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna reserve judgment on this because, like, I've yeah. talked to him in some of those shows on whatnot. By the way, fuck that platform. Um, <laughs> spending way too much money on that damn thing. But dude, I've been um, selling some on that lately. So what, what does concern me is if, if I'm tracking this correctly about it, it's not so much that Blake Martinez had scammed people, but that the, the, the resellers that he was partnering with. Yeah, the people he hired. The people he hired, right? The the all the all the scam claims that have come forward about the cards that people have received from his, I think it's called Blake's uh, Blake's takes or something like that. I can't remember what. Um, those draws came from those the streams that he wasn't even in, in, in involved with. He was just they're they're using his name and likeness and his image and everything, right? They're they're using his notoriety to do it. Um, I mean, for Christ's sake, the guy just sold that the Pokemon Illustrator Japanese card for millions of dollars, right? Um, and that's an authentic card. That's a legitimate card. So, um, you know, I, I'm more apt to be on the 
the cautious side and in, in pointing fingers and in, in pointing blame. I know he hasn't come out and publicly said anything, obviously probably at the advice of his lawyers. So um, I'll be interested to see how it works itself out. But I think this is more on the, he hired the wrong team and they took yeah. advantage of a situation rather than Blake Martinez did something wrong because throughout his entire NFL career, highly publicized, the guy was, he was heralded. Everybody loved him. Everybody loved being around him. So it, it's, I find it very hard to believe that he did this. So let's wrap on the Giants. Uh, it sits over under win total on FanDuel right now. Only seven and a half. Bet the over. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think this team is you know, a two. I mean, they won nine games last year. I don't think they're two wins worse. Do you? Um, no, but I think the reason. I mean, why... they, there would have to be something bad happen. I feel like, the, you know, somebody well, would have to either get injured or just really play down, have a down year. I mean, I we've talked about this before. Every year, it seems like it's our theme, um, and it does get old because I hate hearing other people complain about it. But here we are. I think the reason why you're seeing a win loss like that is like you do look at the first part of their season. It's gonna be rough if they are not clicking. Um, oh yeah. If oh yeah. If it's not firing on all cylinders pretty early. Um, it could get a little rough at some spots. Um, again, that's assuming that some of these teams they are playing are going to play to the standard that they showed they did last year and or could potentially show this year. But well, and, and late season bye. Late I mean, season. We, we talked about their schedule when the schedule got released and the NFL, if there, was any, if there was any team that did get fucked, it was the New York football Giants. No, I think 100%. It's, you know, sucks. It's, it's awful. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> it awful. Like, it's, it's tough. And, you know, for an East Coast team, they're playing quite a, quite a few late games. I mean, come on, bro. They're, the, our schedule oh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're our sun, schedule. Sunday night football <laughs> right out of the gate. But they have division three, game. They have three, five, four o'clock games. Then we get a reprieve against the Cardinals. Then we got to pay the high powered freaking, what is it, a Monday night? Game yeah, that's your Thursday. You know, you get a no, Thursday nighter on the road. Night game, and then the Thursday game. Niners, and then you got Thursday night, and then Monday night. Yeah, we got Sunday night. night you got home. Sunday night, Sunday, Monday night, or freaking Thursday night, and then Monday night, and 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 those those three primetime games in the first. Well, four, and then you got then you get you back really to normal, teams. but then your Sunday night football again. They're they're against good no. teams. It's not even like we're we got we got we got one, two. Excuse me. One, two, three, four primetime games in the first six weeks, and they're all well, against good teams. And here's here's the other thing that we said, right? Remember what we said? You would think they've we got, played in the Super Bowl. You would think we played in the Super Bowl, or they've got four of their first six on the road. Yep. They're the only team in the NFL that has three straight weeks of road games, and they're also the only team in the NFL that has four separate back-to-back road games. It's crazy to me. It's crazy. It's so the only reprieve. The only reprieve they got this season versus last season is we don't have five division games in the last eight weeks. We've only got two in the last four. Yeah, and they're both they're both the Eagles. So at that point, the division it does know, could, actually could be settled. That would be the one bright spot of this season that I actually do like seeing compared to what I'm used to having to suffer through. I think it could make a little difference. I mean, again. Washington's week 11, so it's still a little later, but um, I mean, yeah, it's uh, 
Yeah, this one's about as brutal as it gets from a scheduling standpoint. So, I mean, they're going to have they're going to have their work cut out for them navigating it. I'll say this: the games where the Giants match up match up favorably, maybe they're the favorites in the game this year. The expectation is they're going to have to take advantage and win the games that they need to be winning because there are not a lot of gimmies. Nope. Oh, there's. That's what I'm saying. You would you would think we played in or won the Super Bowl given the given the schedule. Well, and, and so you know, one of your points that you brought up earlier with Washington is that you know Washington technically you know has a chance to get the, against the Giants. If the Giants want to get what they want to get, they can't afford to split against Washington this year. Nope. They got to beat them both times. They got to they got to sweep them, and they can only split with Philly and 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 Dallas. And I they I don't even think they can afford to split against Dallas. The only thing I'll say with yeah, that, that, might, of, that might be right, depending on how good they do outside of the division. No, yeah. they need to they need to split with Dallas by winning Week One. If it's yeah, a the, home, the, home, the Dallas, home opener on freaking Sunday Night Football, I mean that one. If there's well, one to get, that's got to be the one to get. You need to be 2-0 and against the 49ers just so you have that confidence knowing, hey, we're playing the 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, ne- the next four, the next hate, four offenses. Oof. I think I hate playing the 49ers more than I hate playing any other team in the friggin' NFL with the Giants oh. because they kick our ass every fucking time for no reason. We had a no-name fucking quarterback who was fifth string start and beat the shit oh, out of Nick us. Mullins. Yeah, I mean, the Giants defense <laughs> is going to get tested early. I mean, if you I'm look at the offenses though, they're playing against, the offenses they're playing against, that defense is going to be tested. Yep. And they're going to be tested early. So you're going to know, you're going to know by week seven how good the defense can hold up against elite level, you know, top 10 level offenses. Because that stretch of San Francisco, Seattle, Miami, and Buffalo, that's going to, that's going to be a test. There's no doubt. And if they can come through and, you know, be, be in it, be in the hunt going into that week seven Washington game, then I think they got a shot to get to that bye week in the uh, in the playoff picture so we'll see but I mean by no means is the schedule um, easy to navigate it's going to be rough rough waters crossing the Hudson no doubt so we'll see but I mean this division is going to be compelling storylines all season long that's just how it is in the NFC East Um, it won't be any different this year so I expect I expect it to be a, a brawl until the end. So we'll see. But that is going to wrap it up for our Division Dive series, another series in the book, another year done and dusted. We have preseason football starting for everybody in the league beginning Thursday. Um, you've got New England and Houston, Minnesota and Seattle. You've got a plethora of games on Friday, including the Giants playing against the Lions. Um, the Chargers will play on Saturday, um, as well as a couple of other uh, games on Saturday. The Jaguars here in town are playing – well, no, actually, they're playing in Dallas, but they're playing on Saturday, and there's a couple on Sunday. So, I mean, you're going to have preseason football for four straight days. Whether you tune in or not is totally up to you, but the, the point is football is here. And between NFL and college, every single weekend we'll have some form of football between now and February. Let's go. 
Right. Let's go indeed. So for myself and Matt and Alex, it's been another episode of Pound the Pigskin where it's all football all the time. And we'll see you next week.